the Hollywell Trust podcast testimony series, sharing experiences of those affected by the Northern Ireland conflict and those people who have taken the decision to take positive steps for the future. Now here is your host, Eamon Becker. Hello there, and today's podcast is with Anne Walker, so we're delighted that Anne took the time to share her story, and here it is, Anne Walker. Well, I'm going to start by reading some feedback that I got from a workshop that I attended yesterday on the 6th of April, along with Kathleen Gillespie and James Greer as part of the Theatre of Witness series of workshops that are funded. The feedback is, Hiya Anne, what can I say? You have left an imprint in our ladies' lives. Your ears were probably burning after you left yesterday. Your stories were heartfelt and we respect you all so much for being very open and allowing our ladies the window to be open as well. Yesterday our ladies were so shocked at how much you had all been through. I, for one, never would have said I would be shaking the hand of an ex-IRA member. You were so open about who you were drawn into the cause and what you suffered mentally and physically. I felt yesterday I was educated for the first time on the true impact and how people suffered during the Troubles. Our ladies are asking for you all to come back. They say they would love to watch the other stories as well. You know our ladies could have sat there all day with you yesterday and I feel they would love to talk more about your experiences. And the reason that I wanted to to read that bit of impact or that bit of feedback was because I love what I do at the minute. I've been on an incredible journey for a long, long time. Um, I'll talk more about how that came became more concrete for me about seven years ago when I ended up in a theatre of witness production. But for me, it's the impact that our stories, our truthful, honest stories have on everyday people. These women, the, myself, Kathleen Gillespie and James Greer, who were also members of the theatre of witness, just a woman's group who meet occasionally for nothing and chatting and supporting each other. The person who asked us to come out there, Janice, was very interested in how we worked together and how we were able to to cross barriers and divides to work together because she had a sort of an understanding of the type of work that we do, type of workshops we do, and she wanted her ladies in this group to experience that. Can you tell us a bit about the background of James Greer and the background of Kathleen Gillespie as well as the background of yourself so that we can... Uh, understand why that may be challenging for the three of you to work together? The workshop is a Theatre of Witness workshop and what they do is they bring people together from different backgrounds who've been involved in different productions which I'll go into further on down this interview. So I was at that workshop yesterday with James Greer who's ex-UDA and Kathleen Gillespie whose husband was killed in a human bomb in 1990 by the IRA as well and my own background is ex-IRA so you can imagine such a diverse group of people but when we entered this room yesterday this workshop as we do with all the workshops the people normally have an idea of who's coming they never know the backgrounds until we get there and yesterday I don't even think they knew that there was going to be somebody from the from the IRA in the room as one of the ladies told us before we had even started that her uncle had been killed by the IRA and it was one of those moments, and I've had them many, many times, where I thought, right, okay, I wonder how this is going to go. Is this going to be too much for her that I'm in the room? But as the the workshop progressed, it was very clear that all of the women in the room were unbelievably interested. 
what we do is we show on DVD parts of our production. So we show the theatre fitness, fitness production. So we show James's story first. If it's me, James and Kathleen, my story comes next. Kathleen's story is usually the final story. And at that stage, we have the handkerchief out because the whole thing is very emotional. We're usually conscious of everybody in the room. So beforehand, we make sure that everybody's going to be okay. We let them know it's going to be harrowing. We also let them know that we're there for any questions and answers. No such thing as a stupid question. And we're open, we'll be open and as honest and truthful as we possibly can with anybody that we're doing these workshops for. So we prepare them for what's coming, but really it's always a shock for some of them. That For most of them, it's never what they expect. And after, after we show the DVD, we normally take a break for a cigarette, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, just a wee bit of social chatting amongst themselves or amongst us just so they can get their bearings and then maybe formulate some questions. And that's a really important time in all the workshops that we do because they have to take it all in and see how they feel about it. And all the time we're sussing the situation and making sure everybody is okay. We're making sure that we're in good contact with whoever has brought us out there who's in control of the group. They let them know that they could be there and we should be there to offer support in case they're not okay. It has never really happened that anybody has left the room or walked out or says, I can't handle this. There's been a few comments over the years, but nothing that any of us couldn't handle. Um, and to tell you the truth, if I was afraid of any uncommon comments or any suggestions that I might end up in, there'd be no point in me doing it. The reason that I'm bringing this one up yesterday is because of the feedback. And it turned out that when we all came back in and sat down to have the conversation or answer any questions, there was a couple of questions and a couple of good questions. But what happened, which is what normally happens in any of these workshops, is people feel compelled because of the truth and the honesty that they have heard on the DVD. And because the actual people are sitting in the room with them, they feel compelled to tell their own truths people started outpouring this happened to me that happened i feel this way about this and the woman whose uncle had been killed for the ira she'd mentioned it before we'd even started went under that full story of how that whole event took place there was other people in the room who said they were related to or married to ex-members of paramilitaries or police. One person had a, an uncle who was in the B-specials. They couldn't believe for a start that the woman in the room in the group was the woman that was the person that was ex-IRA. They didn't, really didn't expect that at all. They had never even fathomed it. So the group conversation was really powerful and really, really open. And this is sort of the way it goes all the time. And I have done many of these sessions along with Kathleen Gillespie whose husband was killed in the, the human bomb along with James Greer ex-UDA I've done it along with police I've done it along with ex-soldiers I've done it along with other members of the cast and if we're not doing theatre of witness workshops there's usually something that I'm involved in somewhere else I've been involved with so many groups the Warrington Peace center um, and what I get out of all the talking and all the dialoguing and all the people that I meet is that 
dialogue and honesty, brutal honesty and truth really works, really impacts people. So the brutal honesty, yeah. in, uh, as you've described it, invites other people to share from their story, you, you've said just now. Yeah. What is the outcome? So when all of that is over, what do you think is the outcome for the participants? And what is the outcome for you, James and Kathleen? We always say, the, the groups, well in a way I always say it, and whoever's with me always backs me up. We get as much out of it as the people that were there. What is that? Uh, it's like an encouragement to keep doing it. It's like a strength and a power and new connections. It empowers me to look forward to the next workshop, to push to the, the next group that, that don't normally open up. Because of me and a couple of people have pushed in the past, we've got ourselves into connected to people from the other side of the community who we thought we'd never be able to open up to. We have taken a live performance and workshop on our own bat to East Belfast, right into the heart of East Belfast, into the Belfast Mission. We're there on bequest of Linda Irvine. Um, that was very powerful for me because all communities tell stories, but we tell stories and we tell our truths within our own communities. It's very hard to break into another community and tell your truths or your stories there and hope that they can see you for who you are, listen and hear, allow them to tell their stories and their truths back. What do you think is the outcome of that? So that's describes what's happening. Right. And it's obviously for you very it's very real, very authentic, very life given. And when it's over would there, for example, be change in people's attitudes, do you think, or change in people's behaviour? I think definitely people look at the way they have looked at things before. They look at things differently and have a better understanding. Their minds are open that wee bit more. And if you can do that through a workshop, for to encourage people to look at things differently. And in particular, the things you're looking at is uh, political violence, sectarian but division. Where it all comes from, why it all, it all happens, yeah. what are the reasons. But no, because sometimes I think people think all of a sudden somebody just decides to be a paramilitary and takes up a gun and goes out killing the opposite side. When it's not as black and white as that, there's always backstories, there's always something. And we quite often get into talking about the world politics and what's going on in the world as well. But for me, I see people, and it's not that they're saying all of a sudden, oh God, we think they are great. It's that they've listened to my story, or they don't say, oh my God, the UDA are great, but they've listened to James' story. They have seen a person tell the story. They're not looking at the big picture of a paramilitary organisation. They see two ex-paramilitaries in the same room as a woman who's lost her husband to a human bomb, and what they see is a friendship, a connection, and they think, if these three people can sit together, well, maybe I could do that with somebody that I never thought I could, could have before. Or maybe I can look at things a different way. But I know as well that when you say what is the outcome, we did a workshop there yesterday, but it is a third workshop, fourth workshop, that has come out of a workshop that we did in Limavady about two months ago, where word of mouth meant that they, these other community centres, 
wanted to see what we had to say. If that to me is the ripple effect, I love talking about the ripple effect, the pebble in the pond and the ripples go out. And we all say that if it, if it affects somebody so much that they go, right, I'm going to think about things differently or I'm going to look at things differently and I'm going to let my barriers down, my hatred down or my bitterness down because of seeing a story, a different side or something has hit me that I, I didn't think I ever would. Now they talk about that, they're making a ripple, a small ripple that's going to affect somebody else. And I've seen it work from our workshops, be it Theatre of Witness, be it the Warrington Peace Centre, seen it work through dialogue. I've seen it work for myself because over the past seven years, my barriers have been broken down. Before I ever did Theatre of Witness, to talk with a policeman or a policewoman would have been very difficult for me, even though... I have had to ask the police for help in the past 16 years. When I got into the um, bad relationship that was very detrimental to my health and my son's health and I needed to go to the police, it was scary for me to do that, but they helped. 20 years ago, the police were the last people I would ever have went, went to, but through Theatre of Workshop, I have met, worked with, talked to, dialogued with members of the PSNI and members who were RUC and got to know them as people and hear their backstories and rehumanize. I'm not saying that everybody on the other side is perfect. I'm not saying everybody on this side is perfect. When you talk sides, it's difficult because there's so many factions. But when you give people the opportunity to allow them to be themselves, when you listen without prejudice, or when you're allowed to be listened to without prejudice, incredible things happen. Incredible things happen. Bonds are made, friendships are made, stories are told, understanding happens. To such an extent that those ripples get bigger and bigger. At this stage now, having done Theatre of Witness seven years ago, which was when I went on stage with the production, I am now connected to people all over the world to do this type of work. We're connected with the Jesuit commons in America and they are in the Catholic schools, the Jesuit Catholic schools in America, but what they do as well is they put accredited education courses into refugee camps around the world. They started off with three refugee camps. They, at the minute, are on 16. This is only a couple of years this process has been happening. And as you know, the world is full of refugees, so it's going to get bigger and bigger. But they put accredited education courses into the refugee camps. And they have come to myself, Kathleen Gillespie, Dr. Lee Levis, and asked us to help them build a peace education program to go into refugee camps. I can't believe that this has happened to me. What it feels like whenever I was a teenager and for all the reasons that I joined ARA, I felt that I was doing the right thing. I believed that I was a freedom fighter, believed that I was fighting for justice and, and all the rest. It took me a while to realize that, that it wasn't for me. It wasn't what I thought that freedom fighting wasn't what I thought it was. It wasn't the the idealistic romantic dream that I had, that it all became very, very real. And now there was a big gap and a marriage, domestic violence, then I come back home, end up in counselling, meet people that are, were thinking like me, 
the type of thoughts that I could never say out loud. The type of thoughts that maybe this isn't the right way to go, there has to be other ways. And that led me into the Theatre of Witness. A very good friend put me down that road. Theatre of Witness gave me my voice and my confidence and my courage to now do the stuff that I'm doing. So now it feels like I'm back in the fight. But I'm fighting the right way. And at a local, national and international local, level? Local, national and international level. Because at this stage, I have been involved with the Jesuits here and in America. I've been to Utrecht with the Theatre of Witness, been to London with the Theatre of Witness, been up and down the country with the Theatre of Witness, became a facilitator in the Warrington Peace Centre, dialoguing and facilitating dialogue with people who have been affected by Lockerbie. Right. First of all, a couple affected by Lockerbie were so close to losing their lives in Lockerbie, only for years down the line to lose their daughter in the 7-7 bombings. And this couple are highly involved with the Muslim community because they wanted to understand why, what was going on. we in dialogue with them, with ex-white supremacists who completely turned his life around. They say this isn't the way to go. Involved with first woman ISIS recruiter in London, who's now a non-ISIS, she's ex-ISIS recruiter, who, when her daughter told the other kids in school that they should die because they weren't Muslim, she completely looked at what she was doing, went back and read her Quran and found out that what she'd been told about her religion wasn't what was in the Quran and completely flipped reversed and is now educating these kids not to be taking flight out to join ISIS and stuff like that. Ex-soldiers have been down in Glen Cree, working with lots of Southern Irish people and that's where I met Linda Irving and that connection in Glen Cree with Linda Irving took me and Catherine Gillespie and James Greer right under the heart of East Belfast to talk to a mixed group of Protestants and ex-paramilitaries. That for a long time has been my goal because as I say we're great at telling our own stories in our own communities. Theatre of Witness took us right out there and put us in front of mixed communities from both sides, all sides, foreigners, refugees, Protestant, Catholic, Orange, Nationalist. And even though for me it wasn't a it was it was a terrifying experience for confidence sake and not getting my lines right and doing it wrong. But I wasn't afraid of who would be in the audience. I just knew that this was an incredible work and that everybody should experience it. And I decided at an early stage of the game when we started doing workshops that I would never refuse a workshop because it was in an area that I could possibly be threatened because if I was afraid to take this outside of my own community what was the point? What was the point in even being involved at all? So for me as a person I think I've grown so much. I find my voice I'm confident to talk to anybody, anywhere, about anything. Before that, I was the type of person who was embarrassed to talk about myself, who couldn't speak in front of a crowd, who had the severe lack of self-confidence. But I always looked as if I had confidence. I always was one of those people that people thought, God, she's really cool, she's fairly quiet, always thinks deep. But it was my lack of confidence that kept me sort of that mysterious person. And that was me for most of my life. Now it's like, who do you want me to talk to? No problem. 
Mm-hmm. So no matter who they are, no matter what background, if I can help, if I can, if my story, my experiences can encourage other people to find their own voices, they feel that it is okay to get out there and speak their truths. Um, then I'm ready and willing to support them because I've seen the power of it. I've experienced the power of it and I really feel the power of it. And I could say that other people involved, and not even theatre fitness, but people who have gone down this road of what I was doing before I really believed in, but now I have a whole different slant. And anybody that's willing to listen to opposing combatants, people who they thought are enemies, They'd strip all the labels away, sit down and have a cup of tea and a chat and find out that we're far more alike than we are different. I just wish everybody could, you know what I mean? I would love to be running around the streets going, come do what I do, come listen to what we do, come be part of the audience and you can do this as well. The combination of yourself, James and Kathleen seems like a unique combination. It's powerful. Could I ask? at the risk of causing offence to other uh, partners in this world with you. Is that your preferred combo? I have worked with, we done workshops with loads of different people. For people who bring us to them, the diversity of me, Kathleen and James is enough for them to be interested. XIRA, XUDA and somebody who's husband was killed in a human bomb. Most people want to see me and Kathleen working together because they can't imagine how that's a possibility. And myself and Kelly Gillespie have become soulmates, really good friends. I look up to this woman a lot, I trust her with my life and she feels the same way about me. When we talk in the workshops and after we've seen the DVD we showed people, people will actually see her squeezing my knee or me checking to see if she's okay because there's times she gets emotional and there's times that she can get through it without a wee cry. Um, she's a powerhouse to me and I completely look up to her and people when they see that friendship and that relationship they're seeing something that has come out of circumstances that they never believed possible and when you see something that you think well that was never possible when the impossible is made possible, then there's hope for even more impossibilities to be made possible. And when people see me and James together as well, even the three of us together, but me and James too, people have said, well, how can you two sit together? And then they, they watch us having a cup of tea and a laugh. James hasn't actually me anymore. James is James. And he would say the same about me. And I could easily say the same about a lot of the other people that I have dialogued with workshopped with, given talks with, and that includes Dr. Lee Levis, ex-soldier, who is a great source of encouragement to me. Um, Police, ex-police, servant police. And if you had told me when I was 21 years of age, 22 years of age, when, when I was coming away from the movement, when that was dissipating in my life, the age of 23, 24, then I was out of it. You had a said to me back then, do you see whenever you're in your, your 40s and you're going to be working with dialogue and talking to police. It would never, it would never have possibly happened in my head. I could never have seen that happen. So the impossible so, became possible? Yeah. It was impossible, an impossible thought, and it all became possible. And now it's easy. 
I'll, I'll give you so, some examples of of whenever I met people who I thought would never be able to dialogue with me. I was in Warrington one time and we were expecting Kath. I was in Warrington with Kathleen Gillespie, the Warrington Peace Centre, and Theresa McCann. One of the soldiers who was killed on the same day as Patsy, the same bomb as Patsy, his wife was arriving to see Kathleen Gillespie. At this stage, I knew that this woman had a new partner and he was an ex-British soldier who had been a friend of her husband's. I also knew, because I had spoken to somebody before I came over, that if I was going to be in this man's company, if he was there, he was not yet prepared to meet ex-IRA. So we were expecting this woman and he turned up with her and I automatically thought, he's not ready for this. So when he reached out to shake my hand, I thought, if I shake his hand and he finds out who I am, there was no way out of that at that moment. I was just had a conscious in my head, right, I just don't have to tell him. So shook hands and he gave me a good hearty handshake. But as we were walking back to the dining room, I got the woman who was leading this whole thing at the time in Warrington, Anne Bessick, who's ex-CIA, who I was working with at the time. And I said to Anne, listen, I know that this man is not ready to be in the same room as me. And she says, right. Well, then he doesn't have to know. He's been introduced as friends. We'll break him in somewhere down the line. Maybe he'll come to some of the meetings. But this was when me and herself were out making a cup of tea for Kathleen, for this woman, for her new husband who was the ex-soldier, not ready to meet with me for Kathleen and for... When we walked back into the room with the cups of tea, Kathleen says, I've just been telling Lisa that you're ex-IRA. And I thought, oh no, because this man who had been sitting comfortably all of a sudden was shifting in his chair and you could see that he was looking for the exit in the room. I sat down and I says, listen, I realise that you're not ready for this meeting yet. I says, we were going to sort of keep this from you and keep it as a meet. But if you need me to leave the room, I'll leave the room. And he was very uncomfortable and said a few things like, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. And I says, I'll leave the room. And he says, no, no, stay. And we all started into a conversation. But at one stage, he relayed something that happened to him and Derry when he was left behind and a foot patrol and people in the bog side kicked the head off him. And I says, I tell you what, if you ever come into the bog side again, I'll take you through that area and nobody will come near you. And at this stage he had stood up, so I stood up as well. And he started going on about flipping Finians this and Finians that. And I started talking about my Uncle Mickey who'd been killed on Bloody Sunday. And I says, that is the basis of why I ended up in the IRA. And he started talking about why he ended up in the army. By the end of that meeting, he came over and he says, are you ready for a hug now? And I says, absolutely no problem. We shook hands and we hugged. And he left with a different mentality and left thinking that he wanted to meet me again. He wanted to meet people that I had worked with before that were also ex-paramilitaries. And because his wife was involved in the Warrington Peace Centre now, He'd wanted to come along, whereas before he'd gone, no way, I'm never going to be talking to ex-paramilitaries. But now his whole idea had changed on meeting me in that situation, in that room. All of a sudden he wanted to know more because in that room, we were in close proximity, completely dehumanised each other. There was a mutual respect. Rehumanised each other. Oh, sorry, rehumanised. Rehumanised each other. There was was sort of a a situation that we couldn't escape and it could have gone two ways. 
the wrong way or the right way. But I think because of everybody else in the room and because of the way we both handled it as well, it went out the right way, which was absolutely powerful to me. And I've since been in contact with them and he's looking at things in a different way and supporting his wife now, whereas she's been going down this road of sort of reconciliation and he's been in the background saying, you do what you want, I, I don't agree with it, but... Um, also met somebody in the Warrington Peace Centre as well whose brother had been beheaded by ISIS. I thought his story was absolutely incredible because he's been doing talks all over England and schools and all the rest about what had happened to his brother. His brother was an incredible person who said, if this ever happens to me, you tell my story, but don't be, no, don't be worrying about getting the body back and don't be getting into all that side of it. If I end up dead, I end up dead and that's it. Um, but this man was an ex, ex soldier and he remembers times when he'd never served in Northern Ireland, but he relayed times of like the Falklands and things like that, things that he'd been involved in where he was terrified as a soldier, but he also hated the Irish. He'd hate the Irish for many reasons because of the IRA, because of things that went on and also admitted to going on and giving Irish people in England kickings whenever things went wrong or bombs went off. Um, and then he hears my story, sees me and James talking together and hears another ex-IRA man's story in the room and all of a sudden he's going, hold on a minute, these are just like me. And now when he gives talks, the more he met us, the more he was able to open up and look at the, the bigger picture, rehumanize and understand that everybody comes from a certain background, everybody has reasons for why they're there or why they did the things they did, including himself. And now when he gives talks around the country about what happened to his brother, he talks about his experience in meeting with ex-paramilitaries from Ireland on, on either side, meeting with the likes of Catherine Gillespie, whose husband was killed in a human bomb, who sits and works as side by side with ex-IRA. And that's part of his talks all around England. And to me, that's powerful as well. It's where it's what gives me the encouragement. When somebody lifts the phone and says, um, we need you to talk to such and such, can you do it yourself? Or can you come and talk to a university crowd of people? Or can we get you and Kathleen to talk here? I hate refusing because I know the power of it. I know that it makes a difference. I have contacts all over the world. There's kids who Facebook me and contact me from Holland, America, Norway, South of Ireland, Belfast, kids, adults, everything. And I'm the busiest unemployed person I know. <laughs> the Hollywell Stew is back on October 19th. Join us at the Hollywell Diverse City Community Partnership Building in Bishop Street for a different kind of night out. You'll enjoy a good meal whilst our four community projects pitch their ideas. You will vote for your favourite and the winner collects the money at the door. Tickets can be purchased at the Hollywell Diversity Community Partnership Building in Bishop Street or at hollywellstew.com. Places are limited and feel free to bring a bottle or refreshment of your choice. The Hollywell Stew on Thursday 19th of October. I hope to see you there. I would like to take the time to thank the funders of this podcast, namely the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department for Foreign Affairs, Derry and Strabane District Council, and the Community Relations Council. Thank you all.
If you've missed any of our testimony episodes, a special playlist featuring every episode to date can be found at soundcloud.com. Just search for Hollywood Trust and you will be able to stream or download every episode. Otherwise, all our episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts and at stitcher.com. You can stay up to date with us on our social media pages. On Facebook, look for the Hollywell Trust. And on Twitter, it's at Hollywell Team.